Welcome to the Truth and Godliness Podcast, where we seek to be a voice for sound doctrine and biblical Christianity. Here is your host, Pastor Brian Evans of 5.7 Community Church in Detroit, Michigan. Well, hello, God bless you. And thank you once again for tuning in to the Truth and Godliness podcast with Pastor Brian Evans of 5.7 Community Church in Detroit. We thank you for tuning in and we're going to jump right into our teaching for today. And actually, this is um, a part two to an episode we started a couple of weeks ago about confronting false teaching within the church. And again, I said that one of the things that uh, inspired me, motivated me, led me to want to tackle this subject was a concern that I have for the way leaders within the church today are doing what I feel is neglecting a very serious responsibility and obligation. As I said before, I believe that right now within the evangelical church in America, we are being faced with one of the greatest threats that the church has been faced with for about a hundred years now. And um, in a later broadcast uh, podcast, I'll be talking about um, these particular uh, dangerous teachings. But one of the things I've noticed is that you have quite a few pastors and teachers and leaders um, who are faithful men of God, faithful pastors, and they would agree that these new teachings about critical social justice and wokeness, they would agree that these teachings are dangerous and unbiblical, but they are unwilling to confront false teachers who are um, trying to introduce these false teachings. And these pastors are also neglecting to instruct their people, their congregations about these things. They, they know that they have people in their congregations who are struggling to understand these things, and these pastors are refusing to give guidance to their people on these subjects. And one of the main reasons why they um, choose to ignore this stuff and try to neglect it is because they're afraid of the accusation of being called unloving. Or they don't want to be seen as extremists. You know, if you name names and if you um, confront false teaching within the church, um, you're looked upon as being a, a right-wing fundamentalist, as someone who is unloving. And what I begin to do is to look at the, the pastoral epistles last week, um, the letters from the Apostle Paul to Timothy and Titus, And we begin to explore those passages of scripture to see what was Paul's instruction to Timothy about how to deal with false teaching and false teachers within the church. And uh, I asked the question, at what point do we address false teaching? At what point do we recognize that that these... uh, different doctrines are dangerous enough for us to address them. And one of the things I've noticed in studying the book of uh, 1 and 2 Timothy and in Titus, I think the more we understand what the nature 
of false teaching is, uh, the more we understand its threat. And the more we understand the significance of that threat, it will help us to see that this is something that we must fight and, and battle with, with all of our might. Remember, Paul tells Timothy that he is to be ready to fight against these things. He, he tells Timothy, fight the good fight of the faith. We looked at that last time. And again, another passage I just want to read again because I think it's so important. In Titus 1 and 9, when talk, Paul talks about the qualifications for elders, he says about the elder or the pastor, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. And so pastors must hold firm to the trustworthy word as they've been taught, the apostolic teaching, the teaching that's been once for all delivered to the saints. They are to instruct the people in these sound teachings, and they are to rebuke those who contradict these teachings. But again, I think we, we, we see the importance of this again when we understand what the true nature of false teaching is. And again, Paul, again, he starts off his letter in 1 Timothy by telling Timothy uh, what the whole purpose for which Paul left Timothy there in Ephesus. He told him, I left you there in order that, um, he says, I, I ordered you to remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. Again, different from what? Different from the apostles' teaching. But now, again, the question is this. How do we know that somebody is really teaching a different doctrine other than the apostles' teaching? Because Scripture tells us false teachers are subtle. They are cunning. Jesus said they are wolves in sheep's clothing. In other words, they appear to be one of us. They use the same terminology. They use the same words that we use. They preach from the same Bible that we preach from. But they, but they teach a different doctrine. So how do we know that what they are teaching is different? Paul gives us some clues. He gives us some, some indicators of that as we look in the pastoral epistles. One thing we said is that sound teaching always promotes the building up in godliness. Whereas different teaching, teaching that is different from the apostles' teaching, different doctrine or heresy, it turns away from godliness and it turns towards trifling uh, teachings that do not edify, things that only promote speculation, that only um, promote arguments and contentions, things that, like Paul calls them, myths, old wives' fables, speculations. He even calls it uh, just empty talk. In other words, teaching that is not sound and apostolic, it doesn't point towards God. It doesn't lead in the direction of true godliness and pure inner spiritual holiness. Now, Paul gives us an illustration of what that looks like in chapter 4 of 1 Timothy, which is what I want to focus on today. 
So what does this look like? Again, sound doctrine promotes godliness. As Paul said in 1 Timothy 3.16, that, that the truths we believe in the Christian church, the truth that the church holds up is the truth, or he says, the mystery of godliness. Mystery means hidden truth. Or, or truth that was hidden that is now revealed. The truth of the gospel is truth that promotes or leads to godliness. Again, he says it in 1 Timothy 6 and 3. That the truth that we teach are the words of Jesus Christ, which are the teachings that are in accordance with godliness. And again, what exactly is godliness? Again, the word godliness means piety towards God. It means reverence of God. It is the, the, the same word, basically, as the word, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is reverence for God. The idea here is that godliness is an attitude that is Godward in its orientation. And it, it, it focuses on fearing, reverencing, loving, being in awe of God. It is the attitude out of which comes all of our worship, all of our service, all of, all of our obedience to God. So Paul's point here in calling the gospel the doctrine which is in accordance with godliness, he's saying that true apostolic teaching, it, it has a Godward orientation. It is going to drive us away from self. It's going to drive us away from the things of the world. And it's going to point us towards the worship of God. It's going to point us towards pure holiness, living lives that please God. But the different doctrine, the false teaching, the heresy, it doesn't lead in a Godward direction. It points to trifling things. It points to speculation. It, and, and, and notice this too, and we're going to see this in just a minute as we look at First uh, Timothy 4. The different doctrine here doesn't have to necessarily be teaching that 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 uh overtly contradicts orthodox teaching this heresy or this different doctrine it could it could be focusing on true biblical concepts but putting those concepts in the wrong place you see whenever you take you can take a a true biblical concept like like holiness or like uh, spiritual gifts or even justice. You could take true biblical concepts, but when you take those concepts and put them in the center and try to build your theology around them as being central and you emphasize these particular concepts without showing how they flow from the gospel properly, you are now teaching a different doctrine. And you are... Uh, contradicting the sound doctrine which leads to godliness. Again, let's look at an example of that in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And I want to just read um, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 8. Now the Spirit, I'm sorry, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons, 
through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Now, there's a lot in this passage. Now, again, he's still dealing with the issue of false teaching. That's, that's the central thing here in, in, in Paul's epistle to Timothy. And he goes on here in the fourth chapter to emphasize the fact to Timothy that the Spirit is expressly warning us about something. And again, this is interesting that he's... Now, it's the Spirit that is leading Paul to write everything that he's writing. But Paul especially points out that this is something that the Spirit is clearly saying. That's what he means there when he says the Spirit expressly says. In other words, the Spirit is being clear on this. So this is something that is very important. And what is it that the Spirit is expressing and explicitly stating? That in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. When are the latter times? The latter times is the whole time between the first and second coming of Jesus Christ. The latter times or the last days is just is not just the f- last few years before Jesus returns. The whole time between the first and second coming of Christ is the last day. Paul is talking about false teachings that were being taught in the church in his day. So according to Paul, the latter times was right at that moment that he's writing this to Timothy. So he's saying that the the Spirit is clearly telling us that in the last days, this is going to be one of the characterizing features of the last days. Some will depart from the faith. Some will apostatize. Some will abandon the faith. But notice this. In departing from the faith, he's not saying that people are just going to backslide out of the church and are no longer going to be religious. They're going to still pretend to be religious. They're going to still carry themselves as though they are believers. But how are they going to depart from the faith? By devoting themselves to other teachings. In other words, they're going to depart from the teaching. He's talking about people who are teaching heresy. People who are claiming to be Christians, claiming to be followers of Christ, claiming to be Bible-believing people of God, but they depart from the apostolic teaching. They are departing from the sound doctrine. That's what he means by they are departing from the faith. They are departing from the sound teaching. Notice it. He's going to, be, he's going to bear that out. Some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Notice this. False teaching comes from the devil. False teaching comes from the devil. 
He says they're going to depart from the faith. They're going to depart from the sound doctrine. And they're going to devote themselves to teachings that are of, the, of demons and that are of deceitful spirits. And then notice what else he says in verse 2. Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. Now, again, this is another reason, brothers and sisters, why we must fight the good fight of the faith and we must not be neglect to confront false teaching within the church out of fear that we might be uh, acting unloving towards quote-unquote good brothers. Because notice what, what Paul is saying about these false teachers. And again, Paul is talking about people within the church. He says that some of these people who claim to be good brothers or some of us are deceived and we think that they're good brothers, he says that they are insincere liars, hypocrites, whose consciences have been seared. You ever wonder how it is that certain people who call themselves pastors, call themselves men of God, preach in Bible-believing churches, and can stand up and say things that they ought to know better than to say? Some of the stuff that some of these men who, 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 who are in our churches and in our denominations teaching things that they ought to know better. A lot of these men have been to seminary. A lot of them are educated men. They know better. They should know better. But Paul said that many of them are hypocrites. In other words, they, they're saying things that they know to be false. They are insincere liars, Paul said. And he says that their consciences have been seared as with a hot iron or as with a branding iron. In other words, they feel no guilt they can get up and say false things, unbiblical things, lie and twist the scripture, distort the meaning of scripture, and their conscience not bother them. But what is it that these particular false teachings are, these particular false teachers are teaching? Verse 3, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving. Now this is this is real important here. Notice this. He's talking about what what we would call the word here is asceticism. Asceticism is rigorous rigorous self-denial. It is it is the denial of any type of physical pleasure. And these false teachers under the influence of Greek philosophy, we're teaching that pleasure is bad, is sinful. And so they were forbidding Christians to marry and requiring them to abstain from food. Now, think about this. Self-denial in and of itself is not a bad thing. Self-denial is not a bad thing. It's not bad to fast and abstain from physical pleasure in order to seek God. And as a matter of fact, Paul even said in 1 Corinthians 7 that he would, that, that all believers could abstain from marriage in order that they could give themselves wholly to the things of God. So abstaining from food and abstaining from marriage is not necessarily a bad thing in and of itself. But the problem is this. 
they are taking something that may not be wrong in some circumstances, but making them the central thing and building their teaching around self-denial, around these, these ascetic practices, moving away from the true gospel, moving away from um, uh, um, a true godliness, which flows out of, of the mortification of the flesh and, and being um, uh, led by the Spirit, what they, are, what they are putting forward here is a counterfeit godliness, a counterfeit holiness that consists only in legalism, in external self-denial. And the point here is this. Paul is saying, this is not true godliness. These men are not focusing on the true godliness which flows out of the gospel. They are taking these peripheral matters, things that we may have liberty to do or not to do, but building their doctrine around these peripheral matters and leading away from true godliness. Notice what he says here in verse um, 7. He tells Timothy, Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. Now, what is he talking about? Now, a lot of modern commentators believe that Paul now is talking about how that pursuing godliness is superior to physical training and physical exercise, as in going to the gym. But I don't think that's what Paul is talking about. I don't think Paul is talking about physical exercise in the sense of training your body going to the gym, because where is that in the context? Where does that come from? Nothing in the context here is about physical training in that sense. What is the bodily exercise that he's talking about? He's talking about the stuff in verse 3. Forbidding to marriage, forbidding marriage and requiring abstinence from foods. In other words, what Paul is saying here is that any type of self-denial that does not flow from a true understanding of the gospel is not true holiness. It's nothing but bodily exercise. In other words, all you're doing is going through some physical motions. You are not producing godliness. This is a counterfeit godliness. True godliness flows from a right understanding of the gospel. Remember Paul said that the true gospel is the teaching which is in accordance with godliness. True gospel teaching leads to godliness. But this particular teaching here does not flow out of a right understanding of the gospel because it takes secondary issues, issues that we are at liberty to indulge in or not to indulge in as our Christian liberty leads us. They're taking these secondary issues and making them central and basing holiness on your ability to deny yourself these physical pleasures. And so the, fo the focus is away from the gospel and it is focused on now your external behavior. This is the same thing that the scribes and Pharisees were doing. The scribes and the Pharisees made holiness all about keeping traditions, all about legalism, all about conforming to certain external laws. And so what is Paul teaching us here? 
He's teaching us that false teaching happens even when we take things that we may have liberty to indulge in, but we take these secondary peripheral matters and make them central rather than making the gospel central. True holiness flows from a right understanding of the gospel. And a right understanding of the gospel leads not to legalism, not to asceticism, but a true understanding of the gospel leads to godliness, the love of God, the love of people, a pure and true holiness that proceeds from the heart. Notice this. He, he, make, he basically says this another way in the first chapter. Look, look at it again in the first chapter. Again, the word of God is so consistent. Notice what he says here in um, um, chapter 1 of 1 Timothy, beginning at verse 6. He says, certain persons by swerving from these, swerving away from what? The sound doctrine. Have wandered away into vain discussion. Watch this. Desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. You see what he's doing here? He's talking about these Jewish Christians who were trying to teach the law, in which Paul says the law is good, it's okay to teach the law. But they missed the true point of the law. Because they swerved from the sound teaching of the gospel, and so their understanding of the law was not rooted in the gospel, but they put obedience to these different external aspects of the law and made that central and therefore swerved from the true understanding of the law. Notice it in, uh, notice it in verse um, 5 there. Look at verse 5. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Notice what he's saying. The aim or the goal of our teaching. We teach the gospel. We teach the person and work of Jesus Christ. And our understanding of the law flows out of that. And so he's saying, as we teach the law of God, flowing from our understanding of the gospel, the goal of our teaching on the law is what? Love. This is what Paul taught everywhere in the New Testament. Jesus taught that, that the fulfilling of the law is loving your neighbor. When you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the righteousness of the law. So again, he says the aim of our charge, the aim of our teaching is love. Love that issues from what? From law keeping, keeping rules, denying yourself of, of certain pleasures in order to conform to certain certain external rules, legalism, asceticism. No. A love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Paul is giving us the clear indication of how to detect sound doctrine and distinguish it from False teaching. Sound doctrine centers around the gospel. And our understanding of the gospel leads us to pure godliness and spiritual love 
not towards legalism, not towards focusing on external uh, duties. Our external duties flow from an inward love. It flows from a pure heart. It flows from a sincere faith. The gospel is spiritual, in other words. The New Testament teaching of the gospel is spiritual. It focuses on uh, on the inside. See, the, the thing about the gospel is that the Holy Spirit transforms us on the inside. And our holiness flows from a transformed heart that has been transformed by faith in the gospel. And when that happens, when the heart has truly been transformed by the Holy Spirit as a result of one's faith in the gospel, it, 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 it turns the attention not towards legalism, not towards rule keeping, but towards true godliness, the true worship of God, a worship of God which flows out of love for God. In other words, true doctrine is Godward. It gives us a Godward orient, orientation. It turns away from self. And that's what this asceticism and legalism is all about. Legalism is all about self. It's all about trying to impress others with one's ability to keep external rules and laws. And brothers and sisters, that's exactly what we see in the social justice, critical social justice movement. And I'm going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. But again, uh, we said a lot here in these 30 minutes. I'll kind of... Uh, Kind of flesh this out a little bit more next week. But uh, again, thanks for tuning in. Uh, thanks for walking with me through these very important matters. And we'll be back again with another episode next week. Until then, God bless you, my brothers and sisters. Have a great and godly week. You have been listening to the Truth and Godliness podcast with Brian Evans. To send us a message, drop us an email at bevans at 5.7.org. That's the B Evans at the number five, the word point spelled out, the number seven dot org.